welcome to death row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got your plan touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. Well, rich baby. I would like to introduce. Welcome to the MMA for Money Show, episode 14. It's here. It's finally here. UFC 245, three title fights, which as of this recording, breaking the wall we record on Tuesday nights there's still three title fights on the top of this card and there are fight night worthy main events nearly the entire way down now before we get to all that excitement we have a few housekeeping notes and then we actually are going to do a little UFC DC recap but do not worry that is only going to be a small portion of what the show is for once well, probably for more than once but for the first time in a long time we are literally going through every single fight on this upcoming fight card on this UFC 245 pay-per-view. We are going from the very first fight in the early prelims all the way up into the main event because you know what? This is one of the first cards in a long time that deserves it. This is how UFC cards used to be, and man, I hope this is how they're going to be in the future. But uh, before we get into all that, the housekeeping notes, if you are following the MMA for Money team on the whole, the premium packages are doing amazing uh, for NFL and college football since Thanksgiving Day. has gone 20 and 8 for a combined 20.9 units of profit. Now, if any of you are interested in that, go to the website ma4money.com or ma4money.com slash premium dash packages if you want to jump in on any of that NFL or college or NASCAR action. Now, before we go too far into other sports that, frankly, I don't know a lot about. It's why I just blindly tail at some point, because I don't know a lot about many other sports. But we're going to get <laughs> to a sport I do know. Yeah, Mike knows that. I'm not a big sports guy. I apologize if that's hurting some feelings or not. I'm not a big sticking ball sports person. But you know what? I'm here for some fighting. I'm here for some MMA. And as depressing as a lot of UFC, uh, UFC DC was, we're going to talk about it with uh, light at the end of the tunnel of UFC 245. We'll get there in a second. Before we do anything, I need to introduce you to my co-host here on MMA for Money show, Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just When. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm just absolutely stoked that the UFC is back in full effect and we're getting treated with an absolutely wonderful pay-per-view this weekend that's going to remind uh, everybody what the UFC is all about. Yeah, I think I said it uh, to the tail end of the show last week. I can't remember the last time there was a UFC fight card where I didn't really even have to look anybody up on the entire fight card. I knew them all by name. Seriously, I like I can't remember the last time. There's there's not a UFC debutante I've never heard of. There's not a guy on Contender Series that I don't remember. There's not someone who was on like one episode of a uh, UFC tough Latin America second season sub 
that they're randomly bringing in because they owe him a fight. It's <laughs> <laughs> like this is how it was when I first got into MMA, where you just like look up and down the card and you want to see the prelims and you're so angry that they're there were blackout fights and then finally they're on facebook oh we're watching the early facebook prelims and oh now they're on ufc fight pass and like can actually see every card and now you can see every card and you don't even really want to <laughs> seriously <laughs> it, it used to feel like it was a competition to make the next event better and for the first time well for sure this coming event is better than the last one but uh in terms of like that's compare it's comparable for star power to 244 mainly because the top couple fights are semi-equivalent to the main event of the last one of that card but up and down man this is this is a deep 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 card and again i'm sorry we're 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 jumping the gun yes we got to cover some ufc dc i apologize i mean unless you're into that sort of thing but you know what some of the portions of ufc dc were kind of hurtful in in many many ways for both of my fellow Dutchmen, so I, we'll we'll get to that at some point. Um, uh, we're just gonna do a quick recap. I'll just give like bare bones. We'll get some takes, but we're mainly gonna be doing UFC 245 because that card deserves our time. Now we didn't talk about it on the last show, but Bryce Mitchell was gonna fight Matt Sales, and we didn't cover that because we usually cover the main card and a couple of prelims that we have our eyes on. As much as I like Bryce Mitchell as a person, he's a hilarious interview. Man needs some camo shorts. He really put on a show, man. He pulled off the second ever Twister submission in the UFC in the first round over Matt Sales. It was beautiful. And as many of you know, the first one was done by Korean Zombie, who submitted Leonard Garcia. But that was years and years and years ago, man. That was before Korean uh, Chan Sung Jung's mandatory military service that's how long ago that was uh mike i want to throw it to you since uh obviously you're the one of the two of us that actually has some grappling experience but i mean it was beautiful sight to see for me and how great was that see coming in an actual event well it's it's super impressive what's more impressive is that he didn't learn it in person with eddie bravo or anyone at 10th planet or anything of the sort he actually learned it on youtube by watching uh eddie bravo uh do it in an instructional so to see him actually do it in the octagon and in front of uh all those fans that were uh, they were they were funny when they were funny, but uh, we'll get into those fans a little bit later. But they were being ridiculous, and so it was amazing to see him pull that off. And uh, for a second, even I, you know, I, you know, do jujitsu, I still don't. I it just took me a first a second to realize what he had. And uh, once uh, DC was screaming about it, it, obviously you knew, and then you realized what an amazing thing that he locked in there. And like you said, it, it's been a long, long time since that's happened. So it's uh, it's not like anyone has claimed the fame on that thing inside the octagon. So if he's got the second ever, if he pulls it off one more time, you know the, the UFC will love that. Now the Dirty Bird did Tiago Alves dirty in the biggest possible way. Tiago Alves was actually showing a little bit of gazemanship. He nailed Tim Means some vicious times to the body. Tim Means showed pictures of the welts later, but it was pretty much all Tim Means outside of that. He imposed his will super early in the fight, landed basically every shot he threw, 
rocked Tiago Alves, sent him to the ground, was trying to finish with ground and pound, and then went to the go-to finish for Tiago Alves when he's in a bad spot, the guillotine. And he won via that submission. I know we talked about it. We were leaning towards him uh, for a finish right there in that fight. And you know what? He pulled it off. We brought up with the inside the distance at the time, I believe, was plus 150. We said it was a good number. Yeah, baby. Uh, we stayed away from it. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes when you follow the leans, they do a little bit better than the picks. What's your overall thoughts of the submission, the striking of Tim Means? And I mean, do you think Tiago Alves is done going forward? Uh, the match was uh, amazing to watch. It was uh, as long as it lasted. They were, uh, Even Alves came in there a, a lot meaner than he has been lately. And he th- was throwing some vicious leg kicks uh, into like, Tim Means' body uh, to the point where I was a little bit worried for him. And then uh, I realized that, you know, Tim Means was going to push past that first round burst that uh, Alves has. So it was awesome to see uh, Tim Means get that win. And, uh, you know, we'll see what he does in the future. But th- it, that let's not get it twisted. Uh, that was Tim Means, you know, beating up a, a guy who shouldn't be there anymore. Alves, he really should just retire. Now, Rob Font displayed what we talked about on the last show, superior boxing. And it really spelled the name for for it in the second and third round when he came on strong. I mean, Rob Font looked great. Ricky Simon, not as much. But all in all, I mean, great performance from Rob Font. And I can't wait to see him against more bantamweights, I guess. Um, who would you like to see him fight next? And just, I guess, overall thoughts on the boxing acumen of Rob Font. Uh, yeah, Rob Font was, his boxing was super crisp, just like you and I talked about before they even had the match. And uh, it just was, it was just way too superior for Ricky Simone. And I, I kind of knew that going into that match, all of Ricky Simone has is uh, some really good scrambling ability and some uh, some good wrestling. And so that's just not going to get it done in the the upper echelon of the UFC. I always been high on Rob Font. I I don't. He still hasn't quite performed to the his fullest that I think he can. Uh, I I off the top of my head I can't think of someone. But um, if is someone fun, I actually someone fun right off the head would uh, be Dominic Cruz. Ooh, I'd love to see that. That's be a good fight back for Dominic Cruz. And honestly, that, that striking would be a second to see. I, I like that. I like that. Good call on that. Um, Cody Stamen and Yudong Song, or Song Yudong, whichever order we're going there, uh, ends in a majority draw due to a point deduction. Uh, how did you feel about this fight? How did you feel about the point deduction? Just, I guess, overall thoughts. Uh, the fight was a it was a very good fight. Uh, Song Yadong was uh, way more superior standing, like we talked about, and had a lot more power. But it, like we talked about with Cody Stamen, and, and I said I, I I don't really like the kid, but his wrestling is the wrestling that I do like to bet on. His striking just isn't there, and uh, that's kind of what lost him the fight. If he had a little bit more striking, then he would have gotten that decision. But uh, I, I still think Cody won that fight, even though I don't like him. But uh, I was glad Song Yudong didn't lose. Aspen Lad. I just want to pause on that for a second. Aspen Lad. Now, she finally looked how we thought she would look when she was fighting against someone like 
Jermaine Derandami, but we'll talk about her later on the card. Um, Aspen Ladd looked great. She looked competitive, but clearly winning the early rounds. And then on the stool in before the third, after some vigorous encouragement from her coach, came out and <laughs> she uh, finished Yana Kunitskaya with a left cross to ground and pound and looked phenomenal. I mean, I've heard uh, interviews about people that she fights and trains with and just how much they talk about how much power she has and how dominant she is once she gets on top. Like it's otherworldly given her frame and size, just all that stuff. I mean, I'm happy to see her. I'm just finally happy to have a young prospect, whether it be at bantamweight or featherweight. And ideally she will likely move up to featherweight um, in the future. I mean, she has, she seemed to make bantamweight easy here. Um, going forward, she could do either. She's still so young, man. She's 24 years old, and I'm just happy to finally have a legit prospect in the women's divisions rather than have the same 15 fighters fighting each other over and over again. So I guess that's where I'm happy about this one. How do you feel about the performance, and how do you feel about Lad going forward? Well, just like we talked about, uh, that we both felt that Lad was the superior, more dominant grappler, wrestler, uh, and younger, stronger, everything. The only thing that we were curious about was, was that a fluke knockout uh, from GDR? Was it a bad weight cut? Was she having mental problems? But if you looked at her on the scale and during the weight cut of this one, she looked absolutely phenomenal. You could see her skin glowing. Her face was glowing the way she, she was smiling at the camera and at the reporters and announcers. So you could really tell that she cut weight really well this time. And so, like you said, she's 24 years old. When I was 24 years old, I was not disciplined enough to even make my dinner on time. So I don't have any uh, ill will towards her being 24 and having to learn some lessons, especially losing against GDR. She's no joke, and she's knocked out grown men. So uh, that's nothing to you know cry, cry about. So I, I absolutely love Aspen Ladd. I'm super high on her. I think that if she just gets, continues to get her striking um, going, that she could be a real uh, prospect in the division. But she needs to flick that switch on a little bit sooner because the third round is not going to do it for you at all times. No, I completely agree. I mean, if she was like that in the first round, I think she probably could have gotten a finish in the first round, which looks that much more dominant and sets her up even more for the future. Now, this next one's going to be painful. And I apologize, but you know, you all saw it. Um, ben Rothwell, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Oh man. Um, ben Rothwell, I guess in parentheses, he actually did, but parentheses, finishes Stefan Struve by TKO punches in round two after two hellacious low blows. The second of which left Struve convulsing on the ground. Honestly, um, before the first groin shot, and even after the first one, Struve looked pretty good. He seemed to be using his reach for once. I don't know why he didn't just call it after that second one, man. I like to come back. I, I don't get it. Um, I know he thinks he was winning. I mean, I thought, I thought he was winning. The ref basically told him he was winning. But, man, to come out of retirement for that and just the descriptions – even from him about the feelings afterward and during, I feel sick to my stomach. I, I really do. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I've, I've been told that his uh, 
tweets about the feelings will leave you feeling similar. So um, I still don't think Ben Rothwell has much going forward. I think he has hit a steep decline post USADA suspension. And that, that was the thing that sucked about this. Cause I really do think Struve was winning. He was putting on one of his better performances and the time off did him well, but I guess he's going to need more time off now just to make sure all is well. So uh, Mike, how do you feel about this fight? I would say where you see Struve coming after this, but I mean, if, if I was Struve, I probably would, uh, just retire again after something like that. But I guess, uh, where do you see him going forward? And I guess Rothwell too, but I don't know. I almost feel like he should be cut on principle. Yeah, man. I mean, the match, uh, Stefan's tooth was really impressive. He was using his uh, length and range really well. And, uh, it was causing troubles for Ben. And that was also making him super frustrated, which caused him to be just, it's super inaccurate with those kicks. I mean, if he saw him throwing the, the kicks, he was blindly just throwing his fat leg into the air just so he could hit something. And uh, he certainly did hit something, and he hurt, hit freaking poor stuff on Struve's Swedish balls. I mean, and then you got the DC fans, the most ignorant, re- most ridiculous fans that I've ever heard in my life, you know. For a second, it was funny when you're hearing them uh, cheer every time, you know, uh, Stefan would stand up because they were going to fight, but then he would be in pain and they would boom. I just uh, it's it's super disrespectful and unprofessional. I mean, I know as fans you don't need to be professional, but as people, as acting citizens in the world, you should be hold a certain professionalism that represents your name and your family. So I just don't know, understand why you have to act like that. Um, being a brother of a UFC fighter and a fighter and uh, so close to so many other fighters, there's nothing worse than being inside of the uh, arena and just hearing the cooing or the most ignorant fans just saying the most the dumbest things. So, I uh, I, I felt for Stefan Struve. I really thought that he should have won that fight from a DQ or whatever it would have been in the second. He should have taken it, but his toughness uh, actually was a detriment to him, and he ended up be losing a lot of money. Yeah, dude, that toughness coming back after fighting it out after. I, I'm I'm gonna be done because I might pass out. I don't know how he didn't, or throw up, or something or other. So after clearly being up two rounds, at least in my opinion, from watching the event, Rina Rodriguez got hurt and sustained a lot of damage from Cynthia Calvillo in the third, leaving the judges to call it a majority draw. Uh, I didn't have it that way. I still had Rodriguez winning, but I know I'm probably biased because they're better. But, uh, Mike, how do you feel about the decision? How did you see the fight going? How did you score it? And I guess, how do you feel about either going forward? Even though I think Calvillo's they're going to be made to make her go up in weight class because she missed weight again. But thoughts? Well, uh, you know, Marina Rodriguez was my bet and my pick. And if I could go back, I would still pick her 100 times over. She was the superior striker in every sense of the word. And she dominated that girl for all of one and two rounds striking that so badly that Calvillo didn't even want to stand anymore those rounds. The only round that Calvillo did do good was the third, yeah, because Marina Rodriguez made a mistake and got taken down. But uh, she did sustain some damage, but uh, Calvillo couldn't even get in a submission threatened bad enough to keep her down on the ground because Marina Rodriguez was able to get up. So I I don't really like the 10-8 round because the fact that uh, Marina Rodriguez didn't get locked in a submission fully or so deeply that it, it would render that. 
uh, on top of the strikes. So either way, I, I don't know why it ended up being a draw. It was weird to see two draws on the night at that point. And uh, I just was super disappointed to not get a win for you fans and for us as a team. I really, really wanted that win and just wanted the momentum going into the next fight for Bob. Yeah, we'll go into the next fight. You would have think the momentum was there, but even if it wasn't, Alistair Overeem clearly won the first three. That That's a minimum. Now, another judge had the first four for him. Okay? So, he was playing it a bit safe. It's ridiculous. Hey, it's well, just and, ridiculous. <laughs> well, he's playing it safe, and like at absolute worst for me, it was going to be a 3-2 decision for DC. And that, I, for... Uh, over him, and that's an absolute worse. Now, Rosenstruck is fairly gassed. He's still throwing, so kudos to him. Like he he was throwing gas, which I, I do appreciate for a heavyweight. He kept up volume for the most part. Landed a flush shot on uh, over him, which sat him on his butt, and split his lip worse than Robbie Lawler versus Rory Mac two. Like it was it was bad, but. As I watched it, I was just so confused because obviously he sat down. Rosenstruck walked off because he's from kickboxing. So he's, you know, he, it's just ingrained in his head. Knock him down. You walk off for the count. Overeem popped right back up. Granted, he probably looked like he was on queer streak. He did. But the ref ran up to Overeem, made contact, and after a second or so, then waved it off. You're supposed to run in waving your hands for it to go off. And I know that's a selection bias on my own part because I had a bet on Alistair Overeem and he was four seconds away from winning a decision. I think everyone would agree he was going to win the decision. Like I said, at worst, 3-2. But I went from being so pumped of a safe game plan by Overeem with some takedowns in there, some great striking defense, all of those great stuff things to watching him getting called for getting knocked out and Rosenstruck celebrating like he won the fight. Yes, technically he won the fight. I'm not going to be too bitter about it because if this, if I was on the other side, I would still be pumped, even though I would say I was a one lucky SOB. But um, I'm hoping he gets Nagano. That's, that's my only voice on that. So <laughs> I guess Mike, take it from me before I get too uh, self-deprecating on that. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. If I haven't been betting so long, and I know that no cat, no bet is cashed until that bell is rung or the judges say that your fighter has won, I was shitting bricks, dude. I, I literally was just, I could see it in Overeem's eyes that he was gassing and he was literally giving up in the last 10 seconds. And I, I'm just like, I, it's it was flashbacks of Derek Lewis, Volkov, right in front of me all over again. I, I literally, I, I just, I, I just, that's exactly why I told you that we're going to scale this bet down from two to one. I just, I cannot deal with these idiots, man. They just do the dumbest, most ridiculous, stupid shit. I've never seen anything so dumb where someone get knocked out with four seconds left because they decide to fucking have a mental lapse or error. I mean, fall down on the ground, do a somersault, roll, go for a single leg, do a freaking twister, do something. I don't know, man. I mean, it's four seconds. I mean, go to your knees, pray to God, pray to Allah, pray wherever you pray to, do something over him. I don't know what you're doing, dude, but you definitely deserve getting your ass knocked out. But 
I, I, I'm pissed off that Dan Mergliata didn't run in with his arms waving because he didn't. That doesn't mean the fight's over. So until you have the fight, his arms waving, I mean, that clock was running. I know the clock and bell already rang by that point. But, I mean, I guess there's stipulations that the ref can call the fight even after the fight. So it's just stupid garbage, loop, gob, blah, blah. I don't even know, dude. I'm so upset. So I, I just – I was so upset for you, Bob. And uh, the whole fight, I was like, man, I'm so upset that I told Bob to scale this bet down. And then all of a sudden he got knocked out. And I was like, holy shit, I'm so glad I told him to scale that bet down. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm watching the fight. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm okay because there's still a chance he can get knocked out. I'm just I'm happy for a win. Happy for a win, especially since uh, the previous fight was a draw. So it was a push. I'm like, it's okay. It'll still be a winning night. All that good. And then I just sat there for like five minutes after the fact with my mouth wide open, just four <laughs> seconds. Man. Four seconds. <laughs> dude it was oh, terrible bro oh, if, if we haven't if we haven't been doing this this long i would have fucking killed myself dude oh no dude yeah it was it was it was definitely very very, very bad um but you know what one wasn't so bad or what's not going to be so bad is this next fight card and we're going to go into it because otherwise we're going to be depressed about what was um ufc 245 Again, so I, I'm sorry, I can't get over saying it because it's finally, finally here. Okay, it's in Vegas. It's three title fights. It's a stack card, all as well. Um, so we'll start at the very, very beginning. Yes, no, we don't normally do that. We're here at the very, very beginning, and I will butcher the first names here. That's a preemptive. I'm gonna butcher them. It's just gonna happen. Punaheli, Healy, Soriano. He's gonna be Soriano from here on out. I gave. The college try on the first name. He's Soriano from here on out. And then Oscar Pachota, more confident on that one. Soriano is plus 100 underdog versus Oscar Pachota, minus 120. Soriano is undefeated coming off a decision win in Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Uh, Pachota is 2-2 two two in the UFC, losing by submission in his last two outings to uh, Gerald Merchart and Rodolfo Vieira. I'm spacing for a second, Mike. Didn't you bet Rodolfo Vieira in that fight? Yes, I did. I'm say, I'm sorry. I, I knew that sounded familiar. So actually, I'll I'll, I'll leave it to you because you seem to have a better take on Oscar Pachota and uh, Soriano than me. I'm leaning uh, Soriano actually, but I don't think he's been tested enough. I don't usually stay away from UFC debutants. It's kind of one of my rules. But if you have a hot take, by all means, go for it. Well, um, I, I'm definitely going to go with Punaheli Soriano. Um, I know his submission game is top shelf, top level. I know that uh, Oscar Picota has uh, tapped uh, multiple times, and I have a rule that if you're a tapper, you get the Tappy McTapper tag, and so Oscar's definitely got that, and I will definitely take that even money on Punaheli. Jessica I is plus 150 underdog versus Viviana Araujo, Araujo, Rojo, minus 170. Um, six months ago, I got brutally head-kicked KO'd by the women's flyweight champ, Valentina Shevchenko. Araujo is 2-0 in the UFC with her latest win coming against WMMA mainstay, Alexis Davis. Granted, that's Alexis Davis coming back after uh, having a kid and having a long time off and coming off a loss. So I guess you got to weigh that as much as it is. Um, I is the underdog, obviously, because it wasn't that long ago that she got brutally knocked out. 
and she's definitely teetering in her career. So the UFC must like Viviana a little bit, and they're pushing for that. Or they owe Jessica I something. <laughs> um, I don't see Jessica I coming back with a smart game plan after getting brutally knocked out. So I would lean uh, Araujo, even though she is the favorite. No bet on this one, given that you don't know how Jessica I is actually going to perform. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about I versus Araujo? Araujo. Um, I like Vivianu uh, Rahu a lot. Um, we bet her in her debut fight that she took on short notice. Um, she took it in a lower weight, in a lower or higher weight class. Can't remember off the top of my head. But um, she's super sharp in her strike, <clears throat> in her striking, and her clinch. And so I, I think that Jessica I is too barbaric and too archaic in her uh, striking, too flat-footed. She's going to have a lot of problem with Viviani, and so I think that Viviani could actually uh, finish her in this fight. After I give the basics of this fight, I'm going to throw it right to Mike because I know he has a, a def- decent lean and a fighter who he really likes in this fight. Brenna Moreno is plus 145 versus Kai Cara France, minus 165. Moreno is coming off a split decision. No, sorry, split draw against heavy favorite uh, Oscar Oscarov, and we were we actually bet Moreno in that fight. He we got him at I believe similar price he is now. It was plus one, around the plus one forty five range uh, against the heavily hyped Oscar Oscarov. Uh, Kai, who like Moreno was on uh, tough twenty four. That was the flyweight season. Is riding an eight fight win streak. The last three being in the UFC. Most recently beating Mark De La Rosa via unanimous decision, which it's decent because Mark De La Rosa is very good fighter, in my opinion. Uh, Kai is training at City Kickboxing along with tighter challenger Alexander Volkanovsky later on this card. And the middleweight champ, Israel Adesanya. They're all very high on him. And I'm not sure 100% if the odds are because of the fighter or because of the fighter he's associated with. Um, I have... Don't have a huge lean on this fight, mainly because I like Moreno, but he just seems perpetually green and not finding the appropriate fight IQ that he needs going forward for his talents. So, Mike, I know you really like uh, Kai here. By all means, tell me why he's going to beat Brandon Moreno. Well, Kai Carr of France has been a top prospect coming out of New Zealand for a long time. He's super disciplined and he's super coachable. I think that uh, he's got a higher ceiling than Murano only because he's more disciplined and so that he won't take higher risk by throwing wild stuff. And uh, Moreno, I love him a lot, but he'll do wild things and sometimes that will end, make you end up falling on your back, uh, make someone end up in top position, so then the judges can see and think that you're losing. So I think this is a spot where the UFC is going to uh, show off their their little prospect in Kai Car France. I think that his jiu-jitsu is well-versed enough to uh, withstand any submission attempt, but his striking is more diverse and superior than Murano that he could edge a decision victory over here. Daniel Tamor. Now, don't get too excited. This this is the bad brother. As we talked about, there's a good brother and there's a bad brother in any MMA sibling relationship. This is the bad one. <laughs> he is currently minus 105 versus Chase Hooper. Hopper, Hooper. Still not sure on that one. Minus 115. Uh, this is the kid with the tons of hype. He was supposed to debut earlier in this year, but it's got pushed off a little bit. Um, Timor is 1-3 in the UFC. 
Um, this seems to be a setup fight for Chase, who is the youngest fighter on the roster. Even with his delayed debut, he's 20 years old, so by far the youngest. Um, he's got some solid skills, but uh, in my opinion, he's a fairly wild striker, and that's he's gonna it's gonna eat him alive <laughs> later on. But uh, he should win here. Uh, Tamor, this Tamor uh, gases out pretty bad, and I like Chase. I would never bet this fight because, as previously stated. I stay away from UFC debutantes. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about the lesser Tamor versus the hotshot prospect? Yeah, well, definitely the worst brother of the two. Uh, Chase Hooper is super young and uh, got a lot of talent. I, I, I'd i say that Chase is going to win and he should win this easily. And I'd say by submission because he's longer and should be able to take uh, Tamor's back and uh, lock up a body triangle and lock up a RNC uh, rear naked choke pretty easily. But um, it's a it's his debut, and I have a rule where I don't I rarely ever bet debutants like you said they just aren't worth it. It's just there's you know the uh, the deer in headlights, there's the jitters, there's whatever you want to call it. It's a real thing, and so if he experiences that at all, traveling or you know in his first fight, it it really does harm you, and when in a three round fight, so. I uh, I'd, I'd pick Cooper to win here and by uh, submission, but Tamer is uh you can't count that guy out because one big bomb could teach this kid a lesson. I'm gonna throw this one right to you after a little news and notes, not news and notes, just uh, the the basics of what's going on. Uh, I'll probably echo many of your sentiments, but I know you're you're really excited for this fight, Matt Brown. Is a minus 345 favorite over Ben Killer B Saunders at plus 285. The Immortal is back from retirement to fight the spiraling downward Ben Saunders. Saunders has been finished in five of his last six fights, four of those by KO TKO. He has one lone win in there. Um, I know you have a major leaning and more just a passion about this fight i'll probably echo most of the same sentiments after the fact but how are you feeling about the immortals return to mma well i'm stoked to see him because i know he's hungry to get back in there after training all the the people he's been coaching so uh i I think this is a great matchup for him in the sense of him and ben saunders are very much alike they both really kind of want to stand and bang and uh I, Matt Brown is a lot better at standing and banging. Uh, the, ben Saunders' chin is just not there anymore. It's just blown out like a bad tire on the way to Vegas. It's just uh, it's, it's limping long, and it's it's just not going to get him there with the fight like Matt Brown. So I see this as a great position for Matt Brown to get a finish win and and really retire. He could uh, get Ben in the clinch where Ben's going to try to get him in the clinch, and he could land an elbow or – uh, do some type of uh, situational uh, thing against the fence with some damage and uh, teach Ben a little bit of a little lesson. But I do love Ben Saunders. My my brother trained with him in the tough house. Uh, he's, you know, his friend. So I don't want to talk too much trash, but it's just the, the fact that this is business. And I really do think that uh, Matt Brown is going to be the superior fighter that day. Well, it's not even just that. It's, it's situational. Uh, like you brought up, Ben Saunders wants to get to fight to the clinch. And I think Matt Brown's clinch is substantially better. I mean, and Saunders chin is going, I mean, to the point that uh, Brown inside the distance right now is minus 180. It's like, that's insane for an inside the distance, especially for like 
welterweights, but whatever. That's beside the point. Um, I am full on in into the return of Matthew Immortal Brown. If he's going to take fights like this, I don't want him to see him fight the new up and comers. It's like, let him fight the, his generation or maybe slightly newer, a fighter that I am all on board for. Um, next up, Ian Heinish is minus minus one fifty uh, against Omari Akhmedov plus one thirty. Ian Heinish is back after his first loss in the UFC. He lost to Derek Brunson, which in my opinion, that was one of the best Derek Brunson's we've ever seen it's beyond disciplined, which as many of you know, that is not Derek Brunson's MO. Um, Omari Akhmedov is a middleweight mainstay uh, in the UFC being with the company for six years. Uh, he's coming off a win versus the undersized Zach Cummings. That's what we said when we broke down that fight. Uh, I like Heinish a lot here just in general uh, for this fight. Mike, how do you see this fight going? And I don't know, do you think Hanish is going to get the finish here, or do you think uh, Omari is too tough? Well, I definitely think that Ian can get the finish here. Um, like you said, uh, Omari just finished, or just got the win over Cummings, but Cummings has terrible striking. It's terrible, like absolutely, like ridiculously terrible. So I, I, I don't, I don't even count that as much, but Ian Heinich has just as good of wrestling, if not better, and his striking is way, way better. He learned a lot in that Brunson fight because he saw a Brunson that was way meaner than most people seen lately. Uh, I counted him out in that fight because I bet against him, and I, I lost, so it's, it, it hurt. But it is what it is. I think Ian Heinich learned a lot from that fight. I think that he's got a lot of character and that he has some potential to be a UFC star. I mean, he's a guy that went to prison uh, made some bad choices, uh, turned his whole life around, and now he's in you know the UFC at the the highest echelon of the sport, and he has the chance to just prove everybody wrong who doubted him. So I really like Ian Heinich here. I was gonna pick him as my pick this week, but uh, I got you know my boy down the road that we're gonna talk about. But similar to Mike said, it's like we both have a decently heavy lean on Heinish. Honestly, if it gets much closer to even money, that's probably gonna have to be a um, gonna have to be a bet. Um, that dude just has such a great story, and you got to root for guys like that, especially in situations like this. Um, moving on, uh, Caitlin Vera is minus one sixty five versus Alreen Aldana plus one forty five. Um, Aldana is from the crop of uh, Mexican fighters, the UFC snatched up when they tried to make inroads there a few years back. Vieira was an early favorite, not on the Mexican side, but on just the overall female MMA side. Uh, she has been off for almost two years, uh, a year and nine months, if my math is correct. Uh, that's the reason for this price, because Vieira should technically be able to just take Irina Aldana down and dominate her. But given that layoff, that's how you're getting that price. It's still a little steep for me, given that time off. Uh, Mike, how do you see this fight? I know in the past you have been an Aldana fan. So do you think she has a chance here to have the upset? Uh, this is a tough one for me because I actually have bet Caitlin Vieira uh, from the beginning of her career uh, up out of nowhere to where she is today. So it's... it's Irina Aldana has way better striking and she it's crisper way better boxing but she lacks the aggression needed at the times needed in volume so i, I don't really know what's going to happen but 
that price tag is pretty hefty. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would put my money on Irene Aldana to uh, she'll, she'll give you that superior boxing and hopefully get you a win. But I just don't understand the price tag after a two year layoff. The next fight is a brawler's delight. Mike Platinum Perry, yes, the man who has platinum tattooed on his face, is plus 205 versus uh, Jeff Neal, who's currently minus 245. Neal is undefeated in the UFC, going 4 0. He just beat Nico Price, which is a big thing because he's a pretty much highlight finish or get highlight finished. And you know what? Neil Neil was able to win that fight. Um, One reason I'm super interested in this fight is this is the first fight in his UFC career that Neil is a full-time fighter. He has always had a full-time job on top of fighting, but this will be the first one where it's 100% focused on fighting, which is kind of terrifying to see given the inroads he's already made. Um, Mike, how do you feel about this fight other than just the sheer joy of getting to watch it? I'm stoked to watch this fight. I mean, these guys are going to throw some freaking heavy, heavy hands. And it's going to be one of those things that uh, they're both going to throw. They're both going to land. And I I just, it's going to be who didn't see that punch and someone's going to go down. I just, I really don't see this fight going three rounds. Um, but whenever they get, we get a situation like this, this is exactly when the fights go three rounds. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I really think that Jeff Neal is the prospect here. I think that he's way more athletic and has better scrambling ability and is a, has a better uh, ceiling for as a prospect than uh, Mike Platinum Perry. So I think Jeff Neal can get a TKO KO finish. Well, and with that, he'll borderline be off to the races with a, with a, a name like that on his record. He's going to be definitely in the upper echelon of welterweight, for sure, in the top 10 after that win, if he gets that win. Granted, this fight has not happened yet, but I'm echoing a lot of Mike's sentiments. I actually think he is going to get the finish. Next up, Peter Yan, minus 475. Yes, you heard that right. Minus 475 versus Uriah, the California Kid, man, man, child, man who has a kid now, Faber, this plus 380. Faber came out of retirement and finished Ricky Simon in the first round. But now he has to face a surging bantamweight who has started collecting any name in the division with any notoriety. Uh, Jan is not a big finisher, so this fight will likely find its way to the cards because I also do not see Faber finding a way to finish Jan because his... Token overhand right is uh, very telegraphed at this point, especially for the younger fighters. Uh, I don't even necessarily think he's going to have the grappling advantage. So if you do have a lean on Faber, him by decision would get you a borderline ridiculous plus money, considering he's already plus 380. Yeah, those odds are still the same. And Faber by decision would be plus 567. So if you would like to throw $5 on that you will likely never see again, but who knows, may give you some extra scratch if the American judges want to go for favor for whatever reason. But honestly, I think Jan should not quite have his way, but should have a clear victory and put another major name uh, on his win in his win column. Mike, how are you feeling about this? Do you think that the returning favor is back and better than ever? Or do you think that this is the UFC matchmakers trying to make Faber pay for taking out Ricky Simon. 
Oh, man, I, I just wish that Faber would have stayed retired, especially even after that victory. It would have been nice to retire. I, I don't know why he would take this fight versus Peter Jan. I mean, it's not a good matchup for him. They're very, I think, they're very much similar, uh, in my opinion. I and But Peter Jan's younger and stronger and, um, that to me, has better striking. So I think that Peter Jan could easily win a decision here. Uh, most likely going to happen because the veteran is just so hard to put out. But I wouldn't be surprised if Peter Jan uh, TKO KO'd uh, uh, Faber and caught him with something. But I, I really think it would end up being a decision, and they're just uh, making a, a bigger star out of Peter Jan by using Faber here. Now, this is going to be a sad talk. I'm, I'm going I'm to warn you that uh, in the get-go. This is a sad, sad talk. Jose Aldo. The one-time pound-per-pound great. The long-time featherweight champion. The one-time hoped-to-be lightweight contender versus Anthony Pettis. Granted, that fight never happened, but they, they tried to make it because everyone knew it was so hard for Faber... For, for Sorry, wrong fight. For Aldo to make 45. So hard to make 45. So hard to make 45. So hard to make 45. He has to go up to 55 at some point. He has to go up to 55 at some point. Jose Aldo is about to make his bantamweight, you heard that right, 135 bantamweight debut against an assassin of a bantamweight, Marlon Marias. Aldo is a plus 170 underdog, Marias minus 200 favorite. There's some pictures circling around of Aldo on Twitter, any type of social media. He looks gaunt. He looks sickly. Apparently, he's eating two pounds of salad a day to make the weight. Uh, to me, it seems like he's pulling uh, the Kenny Florian when Kenny Florian had his small bid at featherweight, just basically starving and starving and starving and starving and starving himself and then sweating out that last bit. Marias is coming off his title fight against Henry Cejudo for the vacant title that uh, TJ had to drop. Uh, he lost by stoppage in the third round. He just completely imploded in a fight that, in my opinion, he was winning handily. I actually had bet him in that fight. But Marias is now at ATT, along with Barbosa. They both left Mark Henry's camp, and they're both training down there in Florida. Uh, I believe I heard one of the striking coaches also went down there. That was the connection. I mean, I don't know. I just, I really think Marias is just going to do unspeakable things to a frail, sickly Aldo. And I cannot avoid a bet on this fight. I know Marlon Marias is minus 200, but Aldo, who was getting kidney stones trying to make 45, is now at 35. And Marias inside the distance is plus 120. So given the dehydration and just the overall less in body mass and muscle, I see Marias getting a finish here at some point over these three rounds. And my bet is a one unit bet on Marias in the distance at plus 120. Now, while I take a second to recoup myself and the sadness that is Aldo at this moment, Mike, how do you feel about this fight? And should I go ahead and uh, get a casket for Jose Aldo? 
Yeah, man. I mean, rest in peace, Jose Aldo, because it's he's just not the same anymore. It's sad that the these champions fall from grace so fast. To watch his body go from what it was to what it is now, it's it's just really is a uh, it's just disheartening. So uh, I just think Marlon Rise is striking is is just better. He has the more crisp boxing, kickboxing. But the only thing that he's got to worry about is uh, that power in the first round because Jose Aldo in the first round is a mean, mean dude. Um, so, But I think Marlon Rise is a decorated striker, and he knows that. And uh, I, I just I think that Jose Aldo is just on those last string. I don't, I don't know what he's doing trying to drop down this slow of a weight. It's just mere desperation, uh, desperation trying to get a, a win or get something going. But it's definitely not going to happen versus Mar- Magic Marlon Rise. So I'm with you on that bet, and I hope that he finishes uh, uh, Aldo, and so we could uh, walk away with the W. In the Coco main event, I know this is this is a term I've used in the past, but in this case, it really applies given the fact that there's three title fights on the top of the card. Amanda Nunez is, well, pound for pound great woman, as she is the featherweight and bantamweight champion, beating some of the most notable names in either of those divisions. She is minus 280 versus Jermaine de Rendami, plus 240 right there, GDR is. Uh, Nunes is a superior MMA fighter. I cannot deny that she is a superior MMA fighter. And if she plays it smart... Similar to their first meeting. Yes, for all you who do not know, this is a rematch. Um, if she takes GDR down as soon as possible, this is her fight. It just It is. And that's a smart thing to do. She's better on the ground. It won't be as easy to get her uh, GDR on the ground as it was in their first meeting. She's kind of gotten quite a bit... Not kind of. She's gotten quite a bit better in her takedown defense and her scramble ability. And um, especially if uh, she's a great wizard against the fence now. She just kind of knows what to do. Um, it's her fight. There is a chance. I'm going to put that seed of doubt in everyone's brain that's listening to this or can hear the sound of my voice that Nunes is overconfident in her striking and decides to strike with GDR. I mean, why wouldn't she? She just she beat Cyborg. She beat Holly Holm. She beat a litany of technically better strikers and if she uses that on gdr for prolonged period of time especially in the early goings when she is fresh before she starts to slow gdr has a chance jermaine has a chance she's the most decorated all-around striker i say all around because i understand holly Holm was a like seven times boxing champion but all-around striking Jermaine Duranami is the most decorated that she's going to be facing. I think there is a chance that if she wants to strike with her, GDR will use her counters and her sidestepping and her combination striking, which it'll come up later. As many of you have listened to the show or hear me talk, that is just what is my favorite style of striking and fighting just in general. GDR has a chance. Now she's plus 240. She's a big underdog. Me and Mike have talked about this. We both have a little inkling here. We both have that that feeling in your stomach, like there's a chance something can happen. And especially when GDR was a one the one time featherweight champion and had to drop that in the UFC, don't seem to like her very much. At least not Dana White. 
it would be the ultimate UFC thing right here, right now, if Darren Dami won. And I'm not betting it yet, but man, if it gets to about plus 300, I might have to throw half a unit on there to win 1.5 because I don't know. I, just, I, I feel something's going to happen. There's going to be some type of crazy upset, and this might very well be it. Um, Mike, I know we talked about it beforehand, so you have a similar feeling, but uh, do you see it going on different than I said, or just how you see the fight going in general? I have a very uh, similar opinion on you. I, I think that if uh, as you, I think that if Nunez uh, does a smart game plan and takes uh, GDR down and is aggressive with it, that she could easily get a, a submission or a ground and pound finish. But I, I don't know if she's going to do that because she's fell in love with her striking. You know, she's now this knockout artist like Mike Tyson. The same way they got Ronda Rousey all fired up, knocking people out and thinking she has hands. Uh, GDR really does have hands, and she's got heavy ones. She knocks out grown men in boxing competitions. So I I wouldn't put it past GDR to level uh, Manny Nunez down on the floor and become uh, the champion, but I, I want to say that Nunez is going to win this fight and, uh, and implement a smart game plan and get GDR down where GDR is weakest. But I don't I don't know if that's going to happen. Like you said, I have this slight uh, tingling, tingling in my stomach this weird uh, premonition that that, that something weird is going to happen. And GDR definitely can be the one to knock uh, Nunez down and to knock her out. So uh, this is just going to be a great fight to watch. I'm not going to have any bet or play in it, but uh, just uh, it's going to be amazing for us. Now, if you followed me and Mike for any stretch of time in anything, Twitter, this podcast, old podcast, really just about anything, You'll know how much we love Max Holloway. Choo choo. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm putting that out there as a disclaimer. I, I really, really am. I do not want to say that we aren't a little bit biased. Like the definition of my favorite kind of fighter is Max Holloway, and I would measure other fighters to him in general. Uh, he is. Uh, the blessed man himself is a minus 170 favorite in his featherweight title defense against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, who is plus 150. At 145, I find it hard to see uh, anyone among the current roster that will beat Max. Uh, if Max can take power shots from a lightweight Poirier, who is borderline a welterweight at this point, I think he can take Volkanovsky's, who does not have fight-ending one-shot power. I mean, he's strong and he's powerful, but I don't necessarily see those in his hands. I mean, after all, he went to a three-round decision with teetering Chad Mendez, and he couldn't put him out. Uh, Max's output is just straight next level. It's one of the things I love about the dude, and especially as the fight goes on. He gets stronger. He throws more. Just the time when other fighters weaken. I think Volkanovski has made his name off beating a faded Chad Mendez and over-the-hill Aldo, who had already gone through two fights of getting beaten up by Max Holloway. Um, he does have great feints. I'm not going to take that away from him. Uh, he has a great moving forward uh, style. And he can be a bully. And pinning up Max against a cage, not letting him move. I mean, the trickier part is getting him to the cage because Max is so great at circling out and making you pay for moving in on him. But if you can get him up against the cage, you can eat up some time. 
But even that said, even if he can, if Volkanovski can do that, and he, I'm confident he could do it for three rounds. I am. The amount that Max can pour it on you in the fourth and fifth, you can't tell me he wouldn't get a late fight stoppage, in my opinion. Um, needless to say, I'm big on Max Holloway here. I love Max. Um, I will likely bet him, but that is not my pick for this fight card. The first person to give me this as a pick was Mike, and I plan on tailing him in this fight. So since this is Mike's bet, I'm going to throw it to him so you can hear more gushing on Max Holloway, who's blessed and a blessing to us people. Well, Max Blessed Holloway is literally a blessing. He's a blessing to the UFC, to the mixed martial arts community, to the world. You know, he's a great role model for his kid, for our kids, for uh, the generation to come. I just I I can't say enough good things about Max Blessed Holloway. He really is just uh, just amazing. And so I just I don't see how Volkanovski is going to do anything striking wise to Max Holloway that Max Holloway is not going to double up and do to Volkanovski. I mean Max Holloway withstood uh, Dustin Poirier, who's a mean mean big one fifty five one seventy dude. And uh, I just Volkanovski is not going to have the power or volume that he that Poirier put on him there. So I just. Uh, Max Holloway, I think that he's super, I guess we're just underrating him again and not appreciating him because negative 170 is, uh, is, is free money to me. I just, I don't get it. I don't see how Volkanovski is going to, to do anything to Max. Max is healthy. He's been training. This is his weight class. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's it's Max's time to shine like always, and uh, we're so blessed with the UFC card that's so stacked that this isn't even the main event. This is the co-main event, and this is my main event because I love uh, Max Holloway so much, and I just I just see Max Holloway just putting on way too much volume every single round and teaching this kid a lesson about the upper echelon of the sport. Uh, I'm going to put uh, 1.7 units down on Max Blessed Holloway to show the kid about the OG and about the OG shows the newcomer how it's done. Excellently put. Now, clearly, I, we can further gush on Max Holloway, and if you want to hear that, go to basically any time he's ever fought in the past and probably any time he fights in the future. Uh, but we need to move on to the main event. It's a grudge match. Also a mirror match, in my opinion, and I'll explain why. Um, but first off, it's Kamar Usman at minus 185 and Colby Covington at plus 160. Now, before I get into my whole spiel, I'm going to throw it to Mike first, just to give myself a moment to breathe. <laughs> so, Mike, how do you feel about this main event? How do you see it going? Who are you picking? All that great stuff. Oh man, this this main event is. I, I don't know if I'm more excited just for some more shit talking, for the fact that it's going to bring drama, or the fact that it's going to be a great fight. But I, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting. I don't know if uh, the wrestling is going to cancel each other out, or if one has a little bit edge on wrestling, it's going to be superior, and then it's going to make the other one fold and end up on their back. Um, or we're just going to have an equal out on, on wrestling and have a, just a striking match. So it's going to be super interesting to see. Colby Covington's output and cardio and everything is truly so remarkable that it's just hard to for me to to not 
say that he could win this fight. And so, but Usman is the same. So it's just, I'm, it's a really, I'm having a really difficult time with this one. And so I, I, if, if I had to pick one, because I like going against the public and I like going against every single person, everybody and their mother seems to be on Usman and they're uh, counting out the fact that Colby Covington is a, a D1 a national collegiate wrestler that has won many championships. I, I think that uh, if you look at the videos online, the Michael Chandler, who's smaller than Usman, uh, he takes he single legs and he kind of, dominates uh, Usman a little bit on the ground. So I, I think that Col- Colby can do that same thing and, and be tenacious and uh, really get under Usman's skin. But I also then think that Usman could get under Colby's skin standing. So uh, this fight is going to be awesome. I'm stoked that we get to see it. Uh, the, but this isn't the true uh, contender fight because we all know that George Gamebred Masvidal is the one that deserves this fight versus Usman. Similar to Mike, I'm on the, I guess, the road less traveled. It seems to be everyone I see is uh, picking Usman here, uh, clearly, by the price. And a lot of that is from Colby Covington hate because of his character. And yes, I get it's He was cringy before Henry Suhudo tried to be cringy. Um, <laughs> and he's playing it to a T. Um for everyone that says that he is not popular in general, I would agree. He's not, he's, he is the type of popular that can exist within the MMA bubble. Could he go beyond that? I mean, it's possible. I mean, with a win here, especially if this is as big of a fight as we all big of a card as we all think it is and have their marketing it to be with a dominant, especially a dominant win here. Good mic skills after the fact, maybe another trip to the White House because of it, and a few other things. He could be a crossover in a way that no one wants him to be. He, he really could be. Um, Usman could too. He absolutely could. I do think he has star potential, but Usman disappeared after he beat Woodley. Dude barely talked, and you barely saw him for since that win. Um, like I said before, I see this very much of a mirror. It's the mirror match of the night. These guys are very similar. They have identical records. They both lost by the first round submission earlier in their career. They, they both are wrestlers. They both have adapted to strike in different ways, but adapted to striking. Uh, Kamar Usman was a uh, part of that original black zillions crew and his striking shows it from working with Henry hoofed. He's got the, the, power strikes down pat he doesn't throw a ton in combination um when he does he ends with the powerful leg kick when he can get it out there he does have some power i'm not saying he doesn't but i do think his power is a little bit overrated only because you haven't seen much of it um people said just look at the shots he hit woodley with i mean woodley has been knocked out it's not like woodley hasn't been knocked out he just wasn't knocked out by usman um also, everyone's going on and on about Usman's cardio, which I only think it looked phenomenal in his last fight. It's looked good. I mean, there's times where it's fumbled, but it's looked good. But it looked really good against Woodley when it was one-way traffic and he didn't have to defend against anything. And in any grappling scenario, he was being the dominant one and didn't really have to push back. But I, I will admit Usman has more power. He absolutely does. That's the, the I have that cardio question, though, of... 
who actually has better cardio. In terms of output and going forward, it's got to go to Colby. Uh, his output is insane. Against Robbie Lawler, it, 500 strikes thrown, that's ridiculous. I don't think Usman can handle that. I think he'll drown in that much striking. So like he has to be able to get Colby on his back foot and not throwing constantly to be able to stifle some of that output, but no one seemed to have been able to do it. And it seems like Colby has a little bit of a chin on him and can handle strikes. I mean, will the wrestling wrestling strike, uh, it's getting tongue tied. Will the wrestling cancel itself out? If it does, that's why I'm leaning more, more Colby, even though I do think like, I guess statistically Colby has better wrestling going college wise, but in terms of, I guess, takedown defense, Usman's never been taken down. Kobe's been taken down at least once. He eventually got subbed. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm leading Colby here. Um, by no means for any other reason other than I think he has a good chance of winning, and I think this fight would be a pick'em if not there weren't for so many people not liking Colby. Um, <laughs> I can keep going on this fight, but it's gonna be talking around in circles. Uh, given the amount, the price, I'm really liking Colby here, especially if he gets any higher. Uh, keep the eyes on Twitter to see if I actually bet it. Um, now, Mike, before we close stuff out and just do a little bit of, of reviewing, do you have anything else you want to throw out for this week for the people that are going to get to enjoy this amazing fight card? Uh, no, not really. Just to hope you guys enjoy your family and friends and enjoy this wonderful UFC. Uh, light up the barbecue and just uh, enjoy the weekend and be safe. Now, just a, a quick review. Our bets for this fight card, official bets. Our my bet is inside the distance play from Marias at plus one twenty. That's one unit to win one point two. Mike has a bet on Max Blessed Holloway to retain and to win one unit. He's currently minus one seventy, so that's one point seven units down to win one unit. We're hoping to get back uh, in good standing before the end of the year. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. We are on basically every single platform. That you can think of. We're still on YouTube. Please subscribe to that. There will be more video content coming there in coming weeks. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's a big help. We're on Podcast Addict, Spotify, most anything you can think of. Like If you have a way that you like to listen to podcasts and you can't find us on there, direct message one of us. We will find a way for you to listen to us. I promise that. So please rate, review, subscribe. Go to the website if you want a premium package for football or any of the other great stuff going on. There's also great articles on there of other free MMA picks that go out there, whether it be MMA Gangster or Tippies on there. Or we just like to give you guys as much content as possible and as much stuff as you can handle. We're trying to do that all for you. So enjoy this wonderful card. UFC 245s do not come along very often anymore. Here's hoping they do again. But until then, enjoy this one. And until then, Let's roll.